Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Code 320 Podcast. We have a very special guest here today. Jeremy Raymond is here from the Burlington Fire Department. He's a firefighter paramedic. Welcome, Jeremy. Hi. And for those of you that are wondering, uh, the podcast recording studio is not in Steve's basement. This is, in fact, in an office, and we have all kinds of nice equipment. So just want to put that rumor to bed right now before it spreads like wildfire. It's a knife. <laughs> so, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Uh, if you want to just talk about uh, how did you first get into fire and EMS, and how do we get where we are today? Uh, it started when I was just a little kid. My dad owned a store uh, across one of the stations in Burlington. And I just remember when I was little, I was having a lot of interactions with them and just being curious, being a little kid that I was. Uh, it started to get serious for me when I got into high school. I looked into uh, the New Hampshire Tech, went over there, picked up some certifications, did some stuff at the Fire Academy over there, wanted to keep pursuing while I was still young. So I ventured out to Utah, picked up the bachelor's, a couple other fire certs, and was luckily enough picked up in Burlington shortly after. Nice. And then you also went to paramedic school through Burlington. Is that right? Yep. VTC for two years back in 2018. Yep. Yep. And now you're, where are you assigned now? Engine three B shift. Okay, cool. And Eric, welcome back to the show. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. So if you're interested in Eric's background, you can go back to episode 15 and you can listen to a little bit about where he came from. And today's topic is something that I know is probably on a lot of your minds. We have a lot of people that have been going through EMT programs recently, and you are all getting ready to test for your national registry. Everything we do here at Northeast Emergency Training Solutions is geared towards trying to get you that national registry because more and more of the states in the country are working towards that as a recognized standard. Um, in the Vermont State EMS office, a lot of them are really pushing for national registry too. Um, and that way it's easier for reciprocity if you decide you want to do anything else. So um, a lot of you are going to be ending your EMT or AEMT course and you're looking at take your national registry test. And we know, especially for those folks that have never taken one before, that that can be an area of high stress. So between the three of us here, we've taken a decent amount of those. And we want to just talk about some of the emotions you may be feeling and some good strategies you can employ just from a student's perspective. If you are interested in more about the test itself, you can always go back and listen to some of our first episodes earlier in the season, which is with Chris McCarthy and Kate Soons, two of our national registry representatives for the state of Vermont. And they actually break down, you know, the written examination and the psychomotor examination and what each one of those stations entails and how they're graded and what to expect in terms of the national registry. Today, what we want to talk about is a little more about as a student, how can you prepare yourself for success? I'm nervous just thinking about it, Nick. I know. it's A lot of people have testing anxiety. So one of the things that we try to do at Nest too is we try to provide opportunities for the students to come in and work with us as instructors as often as possible before the exam. And I hope that you know and you've picked up on whether you have a TA or a lead instructor or just an instructor that you connected with on one of the lab days. Any one of those people want to see you succeed, especially if you're one of our students. So if you feel like you need a little more help, don't be afraid to reach out. You can always go to our website, netsvt.com. And if you look at the contact us page, there's plenty of instructor email addresses and management staff that you can touch with there. And they can get you into a room with an instructor and prepare you for those exams. So you smoke it on the first try. So you're not alone in this. You can definitely reach out to us. For those of you that are not already registered on the website, if you're a NETS student and you've paid for a course, you do have access to netsvt.com, our student portal. And if you go on there, you'll also be able to get into the National Registry Testing Prep Center. In there, you'll see um, review lectures for your cognitive exam. You'll see Zoom lectures with those NREMT reps. You'll see links to the podcast. You'll see the, the testing sheets, the handbooks. You'll have all of those documents available to you to help you succeed in the test. So 
Eric, let's just start with you. Um, you any tips for preparing for the cycle motor exam? So you get done with your EMT course. Um, what should people be doing as they're working up towards their testing? Yeah, so I think one of the big things is, is make sure you're taking it seriously. Like, it, and, and it can be a little intimidating, but it is a pretty big deal. Uh, and like you said, you want to smoke it on the first shot and do a really nice job. So the best way to do that is feel prepared ahead of time. Um, the morning of the test or the night before the test is not the time to be doing all of your studying or cramming or things like that. It's been proven time and time again. That just doesn't work. So, so we try and give plenty of opportunities, make sure we're taking advantage of the resources that are available so that we're ahead, we're ahead of the game, right? Um, you don't want to be the person that's in there and hasn't practiced these skills in weeks or months or they've only practiced them for the first time the day before. So it's just a matter of getting those skill sheets in your head, getting comfortable with everything. Um, that way you're ready for any curveballs. If, if you can hammer it out, um, you know, when it's super straightforward, we give you plenty of opportunities during the classes to do some mock testing scenarios and things like that. So if you really have it comfortable, then no matter what gets thrown at you on the day of the test, you should be able to take it um, with with no difficulty. Um, the morning of is really not the time that you want to be worrying about memorizing skill sheets or something like that. You know, we need to be rested up. We need to be uh, taking care of ourselves, doing a good job so we can set ourselves up for success. And I think that happens ahead of it. Um, so making sure we get enough sleep, you know, bring a snack, bring healthy food, um, just, just those typical kind of day of test taking scenarios and then take it seriously, right? This is a big deal. Um, you're only given the, you know, a couple of chances to do this. You want to make every opportunity count. So I would say just the preparation stuff is huge and then just taking it seriously. Absolutely. And I don't have any scientific data for it at all, but in my experience helping students prepare for their national registry, at least at the EMT level, I've seen it takes it takes about 16 hours of practice with an instructor to get from the end of your program to be ready to test for your national registry and smoke it on the first try. And that could be four review nights. It could be two full Saturdays. But in my humble experience, it's just what I've seen as kind of the average for what students need to be successful. And some students obviously can do it in one Saturday or a few hours and other students are going to need a little more sessions. But like I said, that's why we have that contact information on there to try to get you the help that you need and tailor it to you. So, Jeremy. What did you do to prepare for your psychomotor? How did you get your mind right for that? And what did you do to prepare? And and you could pick any level, but EMT is always relatable to a lot of our oh, listeners. Yeah, for the psychomotor, I remember just being really nervous, obviously. Um, but like Eric said, and you guys said, it's just the preparation, just going through the reps and just being around people that have done it before so they can give you some of the background and some of the insight to it and maybe just a little niche that might get you an advantage. Um, I would say that's probably the best advice I got and. I was lucky enough to pass it, I think, on the first shot for the EMT, but still just nerves. And then when you're there, just try to block out those nerves because once you start getting into it, the nerves just kind of fizzle out and then you get into the right headspace. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things that we always tell people is that NREMT is giving you the answer sheets. Like all you got to do is go through those and, yeah, right. and make sure that you know what you're doing and you have a systematic approach. And like we've talked about time and time again across a bunch of different podcasts, the number one reason that people fail their registry tests, especially trauma and medical stations, which are the most commonly failed, is they treat a secondary problem before they treat a life threat. That's yeah. huge. That's the most common reason that people fail. If you have a really good, solid primary assessment, you take the C-spine precautions, you do all those other things, um, a lot of people are really successful because the back end of it is pretty much just the hands-on, head-to-toe, or you know, your secondary assessment piece. Right. If yeah. you can make it through that ABCs, the rest of it can pretty well coast through, right? Even if you've knocked out a majority of the points, the important critical failure points, it, it's kind of downhill from that, and you really set yourself up for success if you do a good job in those first two, three, five minutes. And just having that confidence level, too, walking in there and like now being on the evaluator side, if someone has confidence, I like... 
those person might flip up on something, but like, I'll see them and say like, wow, this person knows what they're doing. Yeah. I can definitely see myself. You know that right away for the most part, you can tell the students that are prepared and have studied the sheets and know what they're doing versus the people that are just checking them out for the second or third time that they've ever seen them. Like as soon as they walk in the room and start, you can kind of tell if they're going to be shaky or pretty solid. So yeah. Yeah, I, I think we're past the statute of limitations, so I can tell the story. But back when I took my EMT cycle motor, I was doing my trauma assessment. I was all worked up, and you guys know me. I was in a nice shiny belt, shiny shoes, polo shirt. I was all ready to go. And I was going down through my head to toe after I completed my primary, and I was not in Burlington. I was another testing site in Vermont. And I was going through the eyes, and I was like, oh, we have a, you know, looking for discontinued gaze and unequal pupil size and reactivity. And I was going through, and the way that I was trying to explain it was the most complex way I could think of to really show that I knew what I was doing. And the lady was just like, what do you think you're testing for, young buck paramedic? Let's go. Like, I got a ton of students to get through today. And then <laughs> I, I can was see it. that. It was just done. Like, it was yeah. just done. She was just like, you're all set. Don't worry about it. And I was like, you don't want me? She's like, no, you're all set. And so, you can get so fixated on that, right? Like, like you you want to try and show off that you know what you're doing. You're doing a good job. So you get so involved in some of these things that as a proctor, like, just don't matter. Like, I remember, like, I completely bought my uh, trauma and medical the first time I did it. I thought I did great. And then, like, I walked out. I got my results. I had failed both. And I'm like man, what could I have possibly done? And I thought about it. I never completely forgot to ventilate a patient that absolutely um, needed, like completely warranted, just never even crossed my mind. And I maybe did the greatest head to toe in the world, but I never made yeah. it past breathing. So big old red X, try again. Yep. You do want, you do want to breathe for sure. So, um, other things that we've talked about that you guys probably all know nowadays, especially people that have been through any sort of college type curriculum is you really want that, like, between five and seven day window between when you're done studying and when you test, whether that's a cognitive or a psychomotor, you want to test, 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 practice, practice, practice over and over and over and over and over. And then when you're ready to take your test, you need to give your brain a couple days to just reset. You don't want to be flipping through the, you know, your, your book the night before the test and trying to cram and study for all these things, because what it does is it confuses you and undercuts your confidence. I remember when I went and took my paramedic test with Michael, shout out to Big Michael. Michael LaBombard. Yeah. Um, and when we were when we were there uh, getting ready for the test the night before, I had some little nagging thought that popped up in my head and I'm combing through my ACLS book like six hours before my exam trying to like teach myself something new. And uh, we, you know, we called some people and uh, luckily Keith McNulty got us back on track. Keith, if you're listening to this, thanks for that. Um, and it was just about don't get down the rabbit hole. Like if you know it by the time you, you study hard and when you get ready to take that test, you should know what you need to know. Like you're not going to learn anything three hours before the test that you you don't already know. You know, you're going to do a good job. So don't get yourself confused, work hard. And then when it's time to take the test, give yourself a couple of days to reset a little bit. And like Eric said, go to bed early. Don't have a bunch of alcohol. You don't need to be showing up hungover. Like we all know people that did that. It doesn't go very well. And if you don't think that the examiners pick up on that, like you are sorely mistaken. Trust me, like there are people too. They've probably been there. So they, they recognize that look. So man, mine was at like 8 a.m. the first time I did it. And I two hour drive or something crazy. So I'm about four cups of coffee into it. I could barely stand straight. Yeah. Shaky the whole time on edge. Yeah. You want to make sure you get a good night's sleep, um, have an appropriate amount of caffeine. Uh, you definitely need to eat something. These can be really long days. Uh, they're doing them a little bit differently in coronavirus right now. A lot of times they're cycling people through in groups. So you won't be there all day. I know when I took my exams, you would show up at 8am and you'd be there till, you know, four or five o'clock in the afternoon. That's long a, days. Yeah. That's a, that's a long day to go without food. So make sure that you bring 
the appropriate amount of food and snacks that you need. And remember that when you go to these testing sites, you can't leave once you start testing. You can't go grab a coffee. You can't go pick stuff up. you got to stay there um, for the integrity of the test. So you should bring everything that you think that you need for the entire duration of the day. Yeah. So what's, what's that look like, Nick? Let's, t- let's talk about that. Like the day of the testing, the second motor, the moments here, what, like, how does that work? So first of all, take a deep breath, right? Make sure that you're, you're ready to go. Um, if you have a commute, uh, my general rule of practice is add 50% to whatever the, whatever the amount of time is that you think you need to get there. So if you plug it into Google maps and it takes an hour, you should leave at least 90 minutes before. And that'll, that'll give you plenty of time to get there on time in, in case you run across an accident or you're um, called to swoop in and provide bystander CPR and save a life on your way, which is, <laughs> has happened to people before. So we want to make sure that you leave plenty of time. I can't stress this enough. If you show up late to your NREMT exam, they probably won't let you in. You probably will not test. Almost guaranteed they yeah. won't let you in. So yeah. you need to be there ahead of time. And they'll tell you, anytime you get any sort of documentation from the NREMT or the state, like, please read it. I know it's really hard because, like, we get so much stuff in the mail and our email and everything. But there's a lot of really important information you need to know about where to go, who to check in with what to bring with you, right? You need like two forms of ID or a passport. I think usually like things like that, you have to bring that stuff. If you don't have it, you can't run home and pick it up and come back. You won't have time, right? So you need to make sure that you read that stuff and you bring the appropriate things. Once you get in there, you're probably going to get placed in like an auditorium or some sort of classroom or some sort of staging area. Just know that everyone else that's in that room is feeling the same way that you are. You're not alone. Everybody feels anxious. Everybody feels terrified. Like no matter how much you prepare, testing sucks. Like I don't think I really have testing anxiety and I don't like testing. So I can only imagine what somebody who has some testing anxiety feels like. Just take a deep breath and recognize that um, the other people that are in that classroom probably feel the same way as you. And there's probably people from your course in there, which is always nice too, you know, especially if you test close to where you took your course, there'll probably be people you recognize from your program. So don't be afraid to, to be around them. And the last I checked, you can talk to people. You just can't talk about the test. Yep. That's so correct. You, I believe. So, you know, don't be afraid to just, you know, talk about something else or do whatever. So. And don't forget the proctors have all been in your shoes too. Like all of the proctors are providers or advanced providers or whatever. And they've been through the testing experience. They understand, right? So if you're the first person in the first station and, and you're just really Really can't shake the nerves like they get that they'll work with you a little bit um, so that's always helpful as well yeah so the next thing that's going to happen is the NREMT reps going to read their spiel listen pay attention make sure that you follow the rules they're going to lay everything out for you this is it cannot be easier they're going to tell you everything you possibly could need to know and if you have any questions you have ample opportunities to ask if you're going for a national registry test for a certification you've been working on for almost a year or whatever it is don't be afraid to ask questions. If you have a question, just ask. I promise you it's probably not the first time they've heard that question. It's not a big deal. No one's going to get mad at you. There's no stupid questions. We want you to be successful. So if you have a question, don't keep it to yourself because I know that some students have gone through and they have a simple question like, oh, I couldn't find the the non-rebreather mask. And then they fail their auction station because they can't find the non-rebreather. Just ask the question. There's no big deal, right? You know, maybe the last student forgot to put it away right, or maybe it's in a weird pocket or it's it's not in the room or something. So if you have a question, just ask. I promise you that they're all very friendly. And like Eric said, they do want you to succeed. And, and, and ahead of time is definitely the huge thing with that, right? Like 
it's, it's really difficult. There's a very certain set of rules that the National Registry provides, and, and there's not a lot of opportunity to fix those things afterwards unless they're identified immediately. And you're given ample time to do that, and it's very, very black and white at the beginning how it's going to go. Um, so if you do run into issues, if you can clarify ahead of time before it ever happens, that's ideal. But if you can't and something comes up, there's a very specific window of things you have to do to remedy that problem. And it can get taken care of. But if you wait until afterwards and then you get your results and something happened, you're like, oh, well, I, this was messed up on my station. It's like, well, we're sorry, but we gave you ample time to say if you had any issues and you even get interviewed at the end and they're like, OK, do you have any issues before I show you your results? And if you go through all of that and you say, no, I had no troubles and then they fail you and you're like, well, actually, Right. That, that's not OK. And, and they give you plenty of time to remedy that ahead of time. So it should never be an issue. Um, and you do have the ability to fix it before it's a problem. So just pay attention to those things. Um, they, they've been through a lot of people. They've been vetted very well. Everybody's been through those same set of rules. So they do work, even though they can be frustrating at the time. So just pay attention. I like to think of the day of NREMT cycle motor testing as like a big sports game. Right. Because we have all played sports and I, I tend to relate a lot of things in my life to sports. So when you're getting ready for, let's say you're playing a state championship, you're going to work really hard for many, many weeks to prepare your body, your mind, and your team to be successful at that game. But when you show up to the day of the state championship, you're not going to do a two-hour practice and and work yourself till you can't stand up anymore before the game. So you shouldn't be doing that as you walk into your test. You shouldn't be trying to go through every single station and study, 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 and practice, practice, practice. When you you get there, if you want to do like what a pro athlete does and you and do a little light stretching, maybe brush up on a couple little areas where you feel like you're going to get tripped up on, maybe read through the sheet once or twice, you know, identify, highlight things. That's one thing. But what you shouldn't be doing is bringing a big binder in there and trying to relearn all the stations right before your test because it's only going to discourage you and get confusing. I took my test really late at night. I thought that was really advantageous. Like my paramedic CBT test was at like four o'clock. So like you said, I made sure I had plenty of time obviously to get there. But that first day, like you said, getting ready for a championship game, I did nothing. I remember it was snowing like crazy that day. So I was just like, I'm going to escape. Took the snowboard out and just hiked up and did a nice skin. Sat in the woods, watched it dump, didn't think about the test, just kind of self-reflected and hyped myself up and got to the testing site plenty of hours early. And I got out of there around like six and just remember thinking that I'm relieved and it's done. And then you just let the rest take over. Yeah. And that, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of people are actually really successful when they do that or they, you know, they, uh, for me, I like always testing early in the morning, just get it over with. The oh, yeah, problem with that is then you... You kind of marinate on it all day, and it's hard to relax. You know, I I wouldn't sleep at night. I I don't sleep at night. Nope, nope. You barely sleep at night as it is. So, I mean, I I had to take the test at 8 a.m. because I was uh, specifically um, targeting beating Michael LaBombard, and that was the only slot they had open. (laughs) I had to actually phone in and make sure that they had an available appointment, and that was the one that was available. So, um, And and I actually am the senior paramedic out of the VTC class, and Michael uh, learns a lot from me on a day-to-day basis, I believe. So I learn a lot from you on a day-to-day basis. (laughs) Anyway. So uh, definitely um, when it comes to psychomotor testing, make sure you bring food, make sure you get there early, make sure you listen to people. If you have questions, ask them, make sure you take a deep breath. Don't be afraid to talk about the weather or something dumb with somebody else. Um, I've definitely seen people in the test that bring in like a Rudik's cube or a book or something, you know, and they just, they try to just read or take their mind off it or do something else. So um, just make sure that you do something to relax, take a deep breath. The other last piece of advice I'll give you on the psychomotor is once you finish your test in that station, let it go. Just 
whatever happens, whether you pass, whether you fail, whether you bomb, whether you score, just take a deep breath and let it go because you have to complete every station before you can go back and retest or not. And we have a lot of students that think they need to retest and are sure they failed and they actually passed. So right. And imp- you don't get your result immediately. So you're just yeah. going to throw yourself off for the rest of the day if you're like, oh, man, I definitely yeah. failed that. I, and you're just going to you know, be discouraged for the rest of those stations. So you're not going to perform at your best. So if you can just leave it on the table and be like, OK, that one's done. It's over with. I can't change it anymore. Let's go into the next one with a fresh head. And then at the end of the day, maybe you didn't pass it, but you might have been successful and you're psyching yourself out for no reason and then failed one down the road that you could have knocked out if you weren't in your own head. What would your guys take on being if you do fail a station that day and they give you the chance to retest I know that's kind of been a... That can be a tough one. And I I think the advice that any one of us will give is if you don't know immediately why you failed the station, don't bother retesting because you're not going to figure it out in that little bit of time. And if it it slipped your mind enough to make the mistake the first time, um, if you can't immediately identify it, like I gave the example earlier, like I realized relatively quickly, like I never breathed for this patient that wasn't breathing. Like that's a huge issue. Um, So if, if I had recognized that immediately and I had retested and fixed it, then so be it. But if I had failed it and been like, man, I have no idea what I did. You're walking into a trap. You're just going to fail, fail the same way. Um, it's probably something that you just completely overlooked that you're not going to remember in the time, in the heat of the moment, whatever. So if you can't immediately recognize what went wrong, then I would say don't even bother because you're wasting an opportunity. Yeah. And just remember that, like we said, if you're training a certain way, you're going to have that muscle memory. And once you get going, if it's something that's wrong, that's been conditioned in your muscle memory, it's going to be very hard for you to overcome that in just a few hours. So what we need to do, if that's the case, is bring it back into the classroom and we'll work with you. It's actually easier because now we only have to focus on one station or two stations as opposed to all six or all seven or however many that you're testing on. And what we can do is we can identify that weakness and we can retrain you so that you learn it the right way. Right. Immediate um, feedback on that one. Yeah. But we can't, we can't overcome the muscle memory in the moment. That's not something you can do like mind over matter. So you, you want to be careful about that stuff. So let's transition a little bit into preparing for the written examination. I know the three of us probably approach this a little bit differently. So Jeremy, why don't you talk about how did you prepare for your EMT exam? Oh, for the EMT basic, uh, just a lot of reading and just a lot of note taking. And again, just a lot of advice for other people that have taken the test that, you know, oh, I'm seeing a lot of burn questions on it. I'm seeing a lot of OBGYN. Just taking notes from people that have the past experience from it. Reading, like you said, not staying not staying up too late and just trying to cram things in uh, just at your own self pace. And I guess this is, this is a time where I can plug the, if you focus the whole course and do a little bit every week, like, like there is a track laid out where if you're skipping the reading for these weeks and you're like, Oh man, I'll catch up on it later. And suddenly you're two weeks from your psychomotor and you have half the chapters to catch up on. You're setting yourself up for failure, right? The class is structured in a certain way that we try to give you the right knowledge at the right time that you can put everything together. Um, so you're really, you're not doing yourself any favors if you hang out until the very last minute and then try to read half the book the night before your test. Um, but the answers are, right there in the book, right? So everybody's learning styles are a little bit different. Everybody's going to approach things a different way. Um, and it's really important that you can find out what works for you. And we hope we set you up during the class that so you can figure that out and set you up for success. Um, because, and, I, and I'll keep saying this, you're not going to get it the night before the test. You're not going to read half the book and nothing is going to stick. You're going to psych yeah. yourself out. And just remember, one of the things that we try to do at NETS is provide you with the tools to be successful in both the psychomotor and the computer-based testing. So when we're preparing you for the psychomotor, a lot of that stuff is done in person with the instructors and lab instructors and our staff, including national registry representative that works for us, that works with you to prepare you for that test. 
when we're talking about the computer-based testing, we're one of the only, only organizations that provides um, the prep courses for your co- your computer-based testing. So what we'll do is we'll offer, you know, five, six, seven hours of programming, which is just the meat and potatoes of all of the chapters. And it's laid out in the same categories that you'll experience on the computer-based test. You know, and we, we've offered an AEMT version of that. We have 100% pass rate in that program for everyone that's taking that course right now. You know, and we have uh, an EMT program that we rolled out with a lot of successful candidates for that too. And we're actually one of the only organizations um, in Vermont that offers the CAPSI certified refresher courses. So if you really feel like you didn't get a lot out of your curriculum because it was spread out, or maybe you failed a couple times and you have to retest and you're nervous about it, you know, or you got interrupted by COVID and you need to brush up on it, we actually are offering CAPSI certified refresher courses at the EMT and AEMT level in February. And for those of you who don't know, um, CAPSI is the international organization that certifies continuing education. So that'd be the Commission on Accreditation of Pre-Hospital Continuing Education. Um, and it's it's a pretty standard um accreditation process that allows us to provide very high quality CE credits that are reviewed by a panel of our peers across the nation. You know, so this is, this isn't just uh, someone standing up there and pointing at the board with a PowerPoint. This is, this is real CE and we'll take good care of you. And if you need anything to prepare for your testing, all you have to do is reach out. Like I said, netsvt.com. You can go right to that contact us page and you'll be able to get in touch with any of us. Um, and those courses are offered in person over zoom, virtual instructor led training, distributive education. We have a uh, online platforms that you guys can use. So um, we have resources available to you, but like I said, the tool only works if you use it, right? So you have to get in touch with us and make sure that you're prepared for that. So we talked a little bit about the test results. How are they going to give you the test results? Do you guys remember how that process works? Uh, For the psychomotor or for the CBT? Let's talk about the psychomotor first. Okay. So my experience for both of my, so my EMT and my advanced EMT test were day of, you get a preliminary result. Um, and I believe, and this is where we would kind of err out towards Chris to get the national standard. Um, but I believe if you receive a preliminary passing result, you're good to go. Um, whereas if you potentially failed something, there's the chance that it could get reviewed and that could get turned over because as a proctor, we have to very, uh, judici- judiciously, um, document why you may have failed. And we have to do a really good job of explaining that. Um, so if they go into review it and the national registry says, well, okay, I understand why you may have done this, but we don't feel it's adequate for a failure. There's a chance it could get turned over. So you only get preliminary results that day. You do get the opportunity to retest if they have time and you have the ability to do that. Um, like we already talked about, that's kind of up to you whether you choose to take advantage of that or not. And then, um, well, I don't remember the exact timeline, but a little bit later on, you'll get your official result, um, which is a pass fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeremy, what about this, uh, this, um, cognitive test? I know you said you took that. What, what's the turnaround like on that? So when you, so you go to Pearson view, right? You take your computer test. Um, at least in my experience, what I feel like it was is I took the test and I think within about little less than two days, like a little less than, uh, like, I think in like 36 hours, I got an email and it said, you know, congratulations, your national registry exam has been scored, you know, please log on to this. And I know for my paramedic, I was super, super anxious. Like, I know you probably were too. Like, I was oh, like, beyond hammering the refresh super button. I called the national <laughs> no, I remember I was sitting there and, you know, <laughs> Hello, you take the me. test, it goes to either like 78 or like 130 questions and... You walk out of there, obviously, like everyone I've talked to feels like they failed it. And then you go home and, 
yeah, you can either wait for the mail, but that takes forever. And I just remember going to the national site and just hitting refresh, just refresh, hit refresh. And I was just, yeah, I, sure. so I took it, I took it late at night. And then, so I just hit and refresh all the next morning and then I hit the refresh button and then all of a sudden nothing was there. Yeah. And yeah. my name was gone. Everything Whoa. on the left where it said your certification was gone. So I'm, I'm freaking out at that point. And uh, so I call, I just decided to call and I got some nice lady. I'm just like, Hey, just told her my name and stuff. I'm like, my stuff isn't there anymore. She's like, all right, let me see here. What do we got? Okay. Oh, congratulations. I'm like, congratulations. What? She's like, yeah, it looks like you passed on our end. Just give the system a couple of minutes to minutes to update and you should be all set. And I was on cloud nine. I know. Man, I know. It is cool. crazy. I drank a lot of beers after yeah. that. <laughs> as you, as you always tell me, I, I got to see the disco patch. That's what came up. I kept hitting refresh oh. and I saw the disco patch and I was like, yep. man, we made it. We uh, made all right. It. There it's a good feeling. And that's just, uh, gold. that's such a rewarding, um, especially for me, the paramedic was definitely a really rewarding one because it was such a long program. Like yeah. it's so you're, you're just chipping away at it for like, you know, over a year and you're just like, your eyeballs don't shut all the way anymore. You have a hard time sleeping. Like, and you finally get through all of that and you submit everything and you take your test and you're like, oh, that didn't feel very good. Or like, oh, I felt okay, but I don't really know. And then you get the disco patch. Yeah, it's such a great feeling. Like you said the disco patch and having that, but then like it's the paramedic and the EMT and the AEMT to the paramedic. It's, it's three courses. And when you reach the end and get that disco patch, it's a yeah. It's a whirlwind of a feeling. And I think you get that feeling at any level too. And I'll do the oh, plug for sure. on paramedic over here that yeah. like I just sat there and refreshed and I'm like, kaboom, finally hit. And I'm like, yeah. all right, we did it. That's, yeah. This is great. It's great. Yeah. And the, the challenging thing with the AEMT is I know with systems like where Eric and I worked in the more rural ambulances, you get that AEMT and you show it to the chief and it's like, oh, great. So you're in charge of the ambulance. Here's your CPR only driver. Oh, and you're like, wait yeah. a minute. John Wayne time, as Nick would say. That's yeah. when it comes oh, into play. Oh, man, it's, terrible. It's you and nobody else. Yeah, like my first call ever as an AEMT was like a hemorrhagic stroke and the lady like wasn't breathing and the like EMT was like, what do we do? And I was like, I'm working on it. Hang on. I don't <laughs> Give know. Give me a minute here. Oh, Ben there. Yeah, so that's all right. Anyway, so <laughs> one of the other plugs that we always try to do, and this is really not to Chris if you're listening, um, if you have an issue with anybody at the test, whether it's a student or a registry rep or an examiner, evaluator, patient model, whatever, just just be cool, man. Just be cool. Take a deep breath. The national registry reps are really, really nice. If you have Chris or Kate or any one of those people, like, trust me, whatever question you have or whatever concern you have, they've probably encountered that before. There's no need to be difficult with them or get worked up. Like just take a deep breath and tell them what's wrong, right? Like when you're, when your parents are are talking to you as a toddler and you're freaking out and they're like, listen, use your words, not your whines. No Relax. one's out to get you. Yeah. Yeah. Just take a deep breath. There's a system in place. Believe it or not, you are not the first person in the world to ever have a problem at a national registry exam. Just right, communicate and, and they'll help you. The reps have been doing this for what, 30 years. <laughs> so, so they know what to do, right? They, they'll help you out. They've seen a lot of different things. And, and I don't think anybody's ever really been given a completely unfair um, testing experience where they couldn't remedy the situation in a certain way, right? So they try to do that for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And remember, at the end of the day, you guys have gone through an entire program that's designed to prepare you to become an EMT. And the National Registry Test is designed to reflect your ability to comprehend knowledge and perform critical skills that an EMT should be able to do. So if you've gone through your course, you got signed off by your instructors, you've been passing your practice tests, you did successfully in the class, you've read the curriculum, you understand what you're supposed to do, especially if you've been doing patient contacts and running in the field, just take a deep breath because everything that you've done over the last six months or two years or however long it takes you has prepared you for this test. The test should be a reflection of competency throughout the program. That's the way that it's designed. 
And here at Nets, we really try to do our best to make sure that you're prepared for the test and the real world. So we're not here to just cash your check and give you a textbook and tell you good luck. Like we want you to be successful. And if you don't feel like you have the tools that you need, just re- reach out to us. You know, we, we have that uh, contact information on the website. Your instructors can give you business cards. We're available by phone, Zoom, um, in person. You can come to the office. We can work out whatever you need to do. We can come to a training at your organization. You know, the, the your success is going to reflect our success um, and, and vice versa. And it's really important that we all do a good job together and we're here for you guys. So, um, Jeremy, Eric, thank you very much for being here. I'm, I hope somebody learned from you. Um, and if anybody needs anything, like I said, um, just go right on that netsvt.com and you go right over to contact us and uh, you can either contact us through those contact information or you can even go to our staff and read all about kind of who we have on our team and why we have them there. So thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Nick. Thanks.